The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This episode of Wrestling Night in Canada is dedicated to the memory of hardcore wrestler Supreme. You're listening to Wrestling Night in Canada on the Shining Wizards Network. Here is your host, Mike Mason. Alrighty, welcome to Wrestling Night in Canada. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Matt. What's up? I'm here with Justin. Hello. And I'm Snowy White. Hey guys, what's going on? Not too much, not too much, not too much. Pretty excited for this episode, actually. We've got a... Some 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 juicy topics, some juicy topics, and some new things, some new juicy thing topics. Yeah. <laughs> um, just for you, <laughs> just for everybody tuning in right now, I'm going to give you a little uh, uh, glimpse into the future. We have our first interview today, and we're uh, extremely excited for it. Dustin worked his butt off to get this. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that first year, Dustin, and then we'll jump to the interview later on in the episode. Sounds good. Uh, I interviewed the guy who in, started doing the no ring death matches around the New York area. He goes by the name of Casanova Valentine. Really, really hilarious dude to talk to. Fucking awesome guy. Can't wait for everybody to hear. Right yeah, yeah, I'm kind of. I'm really excited about this because this is this was your first interview, like ever with anyone right yeah 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 like in any way shape or form so it was it was really excited it, it when you said you had it in the bag it made me think there the very first time like when the heart foundation first won the wwf tag team title and they went on saturday night's main event and they had a quick interview you know doing the promo for the match it was a rematch against the bulldogs and Jim Neidhart was like, it's my first time. Is it your first time? It's my first time. Is it your first time? And it's like, when you would, <laughs> when, when you announced this interview, like that immediately went to my head. It's my first time. Is it your first time? <laughs> and I'm like, you go, boy. Right on, right on. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm super stoked so myself to hear this. At him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, all righty, so we're, uh, just to jump back here, um, we uh, started the episode with uh, uh, dedication, um, and we've got a second dedication we'd like to throw out there. This one is uh, not quite as uh, dark, but I don't know, man. It's, it's, still, it's, it's still as heartbreak. It's, it's heartbreak. Like, Go we, ahead. You know, we, we need to dedicate, uh, also dedicate this episode to the uh, memory of Vanguard 1. As, as some of you may know, he was, he was a compeer to Matt Hardy and uh, a very good friend of everyone at the, at the, the, at the Hardy compound. A compeer? Yeah. <laughs> that's that Matt Hardy would do. <laughs> Great word. Yeah, but uh, my, my heart goes out to Matt and, uh, Matt and his family. Matt and his family and uh, Brother Nero, especially. Oh, no one's thinking of Brother Nero. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually surprised that it took this long for someone to finally take a smack at it because like like Jericho he totally telegraphed like he had the bat in his hand and it's like 
Gee, I wonder if he's going to smack the snot out of this thing. And oh, I saw the bat, and I was like, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's dead. It's dead, yeah. I'm surprised that thing didn't get destroyed in TNA. Like Jericho got his shirt back. What do you mean he's going for? He's a dick. <laughs> All right, guys. And so so, so if, if you got one for one for uh, Vanguard, yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to jump in with the big news this week. Um, also, uh, my vote for the name of this episode is uh, Preggy Lynch. The man's going to be a moment. What do you guys feel on that? Uh, uh, Dustin, how are you feeling on that old Becky Lynch spit here? Uh, when WWE originally announced that Becky had like, oh, a big announcement next week, blah blah blah. And I'm just like, oh, she's she's probably pregnant. So it's just like, well, that that's awesome. Good for her and Seth. And I just love the shit coming out now that's like, oh, Seth has fucked up the company, blah blah blah. He's messed her right yeah. up, blah blah blah. <laughs> oh, Matt sent a uh, we have a we have a uh, chat on uh, Messenger there. Matt sent a thing one day saying that uh uh, Seth Rollins has cost more or cost WWE more money with his sperm than AEW has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seth Rollins' sperm did more damage to WWE yeah. than AEW. Yeah. <laughs> they're okay, they're okay, funny, funny, haha. I get it on all that, but it's actually not that far from the truth. Like when you really think about it, because um, like this is the top baby face of the company. Like she's She's the new Stone Cold. Like, she's the top thing in pro wrestling, you know? And it's like she's going to be on the shelf, you know, for a couple years now, at least. And so, like, if I was a WWF, I, like, and there's no way that you, you, you can't tell a person that she can and when she can and cannot have children. Like, you can't. But, like, you you have to think, like, if you look at it from the WWF's perspective, you're like, oh, really? And it's not like she was injured or, you know, it's it's something that they chose that they chose to do. Well, if you think about it, now another Irish person was stripped of their title because of Seth Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah no. And I saw this, I saw this wicked meme yeah. saying $10, that. Um, now $10. <laughs> there was um hope will be out for a long time. Mm. <laughs> um the uh um the thing about the uh Becky Lynch pregnancy to me though is the same thing happened to Ronda Rousey, you know, like Ronda Rousey and she wasn't pregnant, she wanted to start a family, so she stopped wrestling. So Becky and Seth, I don't think were able to plan that far ahead. And you know, it happened. You, you yeah. can't be mad. You can't be anything but happy for them. That's how I look at yeah. it. You know? I think it's another situation where um, Seth being unsafe uh, took out another wrestler <laughs> from the roster. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of a safe thing. <laughs> but, but the thing that, that like kind of that that kind of hit hit me the most about this is the way they announced it, 
she came to the ring with the case and she's, you know, she presents the title to Asuka. Asuka's the new champion. And then she announces with tears in her eyes, a total baby face move. Okay. And she's legitimately happy. And this is a good person, a good, you know, good all around baby face and all that. And this is the blessed event. Okay. And the way they presented that and they brought the news out, that has to change the father. Like, like when, like, okay, imagine, you know, you're now imagine Mike, you, you know, you and Kay are having a child and she's all excited and you remain a prick. Like she's going to be pissed. You know, like she's, she's like, this is the father of my child, you know, pounding this guy's, Eye into the corner of father himself after he congratulated my husband for being a father. That same guy, he turns around and grinds his eye into the corner of the steps. Yes, it's a show. Yes, I get all that. But it hurts the believability of the character. It 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 I honestly think that it really does. And that kind of inspired later on the conversation we're going to have about the fundamentals of pro wrestling. I honestly think, okay, they're really hurting the believability of a character here because they just, well, there's no way they would act like that. I, I don't know. And I, I think uh, there's no way they could have gotten around this is how I look at it. If Seth Rollins came out and he was pumped and doing backflips and excited and all this, that's killing his character. So you would be talking about that. Yeah, but, no, characters change all the time, though, especially yeah, this, this this day and age. There are so many turns all the time. So if something like this changes some guy, fucking Darth Vader turned face when he found out he had a kid, you know? <laughs> I guess, but like, at the same time, I think, like... Literally the day before this, Seth Rollins debuted brand new music for his heel character. So yeah, it would be kind of a waste to just throw that away. And also, it kind of like plays more into his character that he cares more about fulfilling this or this self fulfilling prophecy of being WWE champion. That he cares more about that than having a kid like that. The fact that he didn't beat Drew McIntyre for the WWE title after he hyped up for weeks that it was like he was meant for this and he's like taking this burden off of uh, Drew McIntyre's shoulders of being the WWE champion. Like that that's what put him into that catatonic state in the catatonic state in the first place. And uh yeah, I think like him playing more into that character rather than being all lovable, excitable Seth Rollins that he was a couple weeks ago really like it, it's if anything it's more being in kayfabe than than not yeah i i, I agree right yeah but they brought they broke kayfabe when like they could have just said becky is taking time off and then just disappeared which is fine she's on vacation okay but they they broke kayfabe they introduced this real you know, this real-life situation, they're blurring the line and they're not following it up with the father. I think the part that you're skipping out on is the fact that she can't wrestle pregnant, so she, and she was champion. 
So somehow, some way, that belt had to be relinquished. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's you, fine. You would have had to give it up, but like, what's the? I, I don't want it anymore. I'm leaving. You know what I mean? That doesn't work. So like, they might as well have just played with the truth and her say that she's pregnant. I I, I actually really like how they did it. And um, oh no, I'm all I'm all for the way that she did it, but it just the way they followed it up with Rollins. It just it doesn't jive. I don't know. I think they did it pretty well. Well, now that Becky's gone, they um, don't have to worry about their characters clashing. Exactly. Yeah, that, that, that's it's a non-issue now. Right? Well, yeah, because like eventually they're probably just going to just stop mentioning her for those couple years, yeah, and then it's 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 out. kind of business as usual. But I'm um, kind of glad, like the way that it kind of, the, I'm kind of glad that they worked out because it got my head bone moving. It got my thinking, and it's like okay. Here's a good time to uh, to uh, this idea that I've had for our topic later on today. It kind of got me going. So, hey, I'm all for it. All right. All right. Um, so to that point, um, I just want to hit quick that uh, they have to use Oscar correctly. They can't use her as a placeholder and then, you know, fucking Charlotte Beater. Do you know what I mean? They have to use Asuka as the machine that she once was in NXT. Yep. Um, I don't know if we all need to touch on that because I'm pretty sure we all agree, correct? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they, they, they're they just base, so they gotta, they gotta go for it. I don't know if she is base. Well, I don't know. That whole, like, she was just, I think she was genuinely happy because I don't think anybody knew. So I think she was genuinely happy in the ring. That seems very genuine to me it, it, like not acting it's like her reactions like, oh, yeah a mother yeah mother. <laughs> um all right so we can just pop off on that one i think we're all uh, happy with oscar um yeah. so uh let's move on to uh i have here in brackets it says douche <laughs> and right before that <laughs> is a three-word name we can make this segment pretty quick alberto del rio let's just stop talking about this piece of garbage right <laughs> how, how how many times do we need to talk about Alberto Del Rio hitting some uh, a female? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I just and it, it's so quick to believe. You know, you know, like because he is he he has a track record, and we know he's a real life scumbag and all that. The proof's in the pudding. Yeah. So when stuff like this comes out, and it's not just him. It's it's not just pro wrestlers. It's just every right now, because we live in the internet age. Okay, we're all so quick to believe the worst. You know, I believe a couple of weeks ago, some false stuff about Velveteen Dream came out, and yeah, that, well, apparently that, 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 it was all that. bullshit. But I know that us, we were so quick to believe it because. That's just the world that we live in because, the you know, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of scummy people out there. At first, I, like, I, I mean, when I heard about it, <coughs> excuse me, when I heard about it, at first I was like, you know, why the hell would he do that? And then he hit me like, why the hell would he do that? Have you uh-huh. seen that? dude? He doesn't need to talk to 16-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he gets enough rats, no doubt. You know, he's, he's a good-looking man. Yeah, like, it's, I don't know. But uh, we, I think uh, right now we can all pretty much just bury Alberto Del Rio as a nobody. Yeah. All right, guys. So uh, we're going to move on from, uh, in brackets, douche. 
and move Al- on to Alberto Dushrio. Points. <laughs> <laughs> And then we're going to move on to, in brackets, Money in the Bank. And we're going to talk about Mr. Otis. Oh, yeah. Sticks and weights, baby. Um, how do you guys feel about that ending? The ending of Money in the Bank. Uh, just to fill anybody in who wasn't there, it was Baron Corbin and AJ Styles on the top of the ladder wrestling for it. Uh, wrestling yeah. for the uh, briefcase, sorry. And then... Um, uh, Elias came out of nowhere, smashed Corbin with a guitar. Corbin fell down. AJ lost his balance, dropped the briefcase that he had in his hands, but didn't have control of. And it fell. And Otis, our Lord and Savior, picked her, uh, picked it out of the air. Um, personally, I think that ending was fucking great. Nobody on planet Earth saw that coming. Not at all. Total surprise. A hundred percent. I thought it was fantastic. Um, and I'm very happy with it. I, I, that's, that was the outcome I didn't know I wanted. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I think the execution of it was perfect because he's, he's a, a shorter guy. He's physically, you know, and emotionally, psychologically, every, anything he's, he's the ultimate underdog. Okay. And for him to win the briefcase by a happy accident like that plays up perfect to his persona. And now they have to run with it. They have to run. They have to push him in the way, or at least putting on my Booker's hat, they have to push him in the way that he takes a shit kicking, you know, from all the heels and all that. But he finds a way. Like, he perseveres. He finds a way. And... That's he should be this this badass ass kicker, you know. After he takes the beating and all that, like he's he's the ult, he's the ultimate underdog that still manages to pull it off. And I think that you 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 um you present it that way, and he's it's it's it it's gonna get over. Everyone loves an underdog. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, Dustin, what do you think? I thought it was cool. It's it's they're letting someone d- different win the briefcase, which is good because it's like, oh, we don't need fucking Corbin to have it again. No, <laughs> like, AJ just, like, AJ just lost to Taker at Mania, so it's like it'd be cool to see AJ win it, but it's like no. I think uh, that would be all the angle that everybody saw happening, and that's why this ending was so. Yo, what the. What the fuck just happened? You know what I mean? Like, that's why it's it was like so we, we just witnessed Baron Corbin murder Mysterio and Alistair Black for a day, yeah. and then <laughs> they didn't call any attention to that afterwards. Yeah, he just—I love when they toss him. Like, oh my god! And a ladder. <laughs> like no, no, the commentators didn't say anything about it. And then they just showed up on Raw the next day, like nothing happened. Yeah, because they well they they later explained that there was like a six. Uh, uh, like a, a subroof, like six feet below that. But when they show the drone footage, you can clearly see a crash mat on that sub, <laughs> said subroof. Um, I thought I, I loved that. Uh, I loved it that it was Baron Corbin throwing like the two guys that like the kids wanted Rey Mysterio to win, and like the kind of the old school guys kind of hadn't wanted uh, Mysterio to win. And then there's all like the newer people that wanted uh, Aleister Black to win. And the fact that they're still making Baron Corbin this asshole heel 
And he's the one that threw the two favorite guys off a fucking roof. You know what I mean? Like, I thought that was genius. I thought it, it works. Was it works. Yeah. I just think it would have been funnier after that if Naya ran up behind him and threw him off the roof. That would have been great. <laughs> oh, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hurts three people on her way up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're all pretty pumped on Otis. Um, I actually, uh, Bold statement here. I think Otis is going to use the uh, uh, money in the bank for the tag titles. What do you think? Uh, uh, I... <laughs> Why would he go after the world title when Tucker's just chilling at home? You know what I mean? And like, it, it, according to their storyline in my head, Otis has to go for the tag titles to help out Tucky. Tucky! Uh, yeah, yeah, that's probably to keep along with the character, yeah, but if they're looking, if if they want to make a new star, like, the, he, he, this, this, this guy is gold solo, like, if, if, if they do it right, if they do it right. I, because, I really, like, really love watching Tucker, too, so that's why I think it's the, the, the tag team part, I really like that part, you know? I like that, and uh, it would be really cool because not only would it be cool to see somebody cash in the money in the bank for anything but the world or Universal or WWE or Universal, you know, it would be cool to see somebody cash in for a different title. Uh, Something different, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it would bring it up to uh, a more important spot, you know, because if you look at it, AEW's tag division is the destroying WWE's right now. So maybe this is an idea to bring up the tag titles a bit more, make them a little more prestigious, you know what I mean? Right. You know, they, to do that, though, Vince McMahon would have to suddenly care about tag team wrestling. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Vince McMahon doesn't like tournaments and he doesn't like tag teams. Yeah. I, like, I like your point, Mike, but I really don't think that's the way they're going. You don't, right? No, I, I, I wouldn't. I, I'm not going to be surprised if I'm wrong. Let's be real. I won't <laughs> be like, "Oh, wow, really?" But like, I just think that would be such a great twist for them to do because it's never been done. It's never been thought of. Because who's the last big tag team guy that's won it? You know what I mean? He was the ultimate underdog in that match, and the fact that he was brought in, everybody thought he was brought in to be the comic relief. You know, when uh, Daniel Bryan was kicking Corbin. He's sitting in the corner going, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was fantastic. You know, like, I thought he was brought into that match to do that, and he was doing great. You know what I mean? So the fact that he won it, I loved it. Loved it. For sure. Yeah. Like, right. I, 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 I more so was just like, <coughs> Kobe. I, I caught, yeah. Kobe. No, not here yet. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm like, Interested to see if, like, somehow Otis will get drawn into this whole uh, Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt feud that's obviously going to be ongoing because at the end at the end of the Braun versus Bray match, they tease that The Fiend is now going to come after Braun Strowman after beating mm-hmm. Bray Wyatt at, uh, at Money in the Bank. So I'm curious to see if Otis will be interacting with Huskus the Pig Boy and, <laughs> and oh all the other puppets. God. Yeah. Oh, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Otis can teach Huskus the thing about stakes and weights. 
That's a cool idea. Maybe a uh, new Wyatt family with heavy machinery. Uh, oh shit! All right. Anyway, we're 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 casting off on uh, what ifs here. <laughs> well, let's move on to a different uh, fun thing that Vince is gonna hate: <laughs> the Intercontinental <laughs> Tournament. Um, this thing is cool. I like it. Yeah, unfortunately, Sami Zayn had to be stripped to the title. Sorry to Sami Zayn, but uh, it is what it is. He needs the title needs to be there. I get okay. it. Okay, yeah. Well, I I don't know. I don't know. I kind of okay. It's he's he's he can't get into the states, right? He's Canadian. He's a good he's a good Canadian boy, and with everything that's going on in the world right now, he can't get into the U.S. Right? So he's not going to be able to defend it. Am I correct? Is that I think he chose to sit, stay at home. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, self uh, isolated. Oh, okay, okay. But this is kind of like an act of God, you know, yeah. for the lack for the lack of a better term, and all that. And I think it's kind of a douchebag thing, you know, on the WWF's part to do this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's yeah, he's, he's self isolating. Yes, but. It's for his own safety, his own sake, his own health. Okay. It depends how they, they roll this out, though. It depends if, like, the winner of this match, when Sami Zayn comes back, if he doesn't get a rematch, then they're fucking off. Yeah. It, they have to play it right afterwards. And, it, and like, it has to be a great match, and it has to be, you know, Sami Zayn has to, like, actually do it and not be this coward guy that they turned him out to be. Because Sami Zayn's a phenomenal wrestler. Yeah, I don't like what they're doing with the three amigos uh, here. And, yeah, I, I didn't like that. I get it. Um, they, they, those, the, the three of them need something to do, but the three of them should be actually wrestling, and they shouldn't have Sami Zayn being this little sneaky dude. You know, right. Sami Zayn's a phenomenal wrestler. He should be doing his thing, you know, but... Maybe do his thing and throw a low blow and stay in the heel character. You know what I mean? Like every there's countless wrestlers that have done it. Yeah. Mm. Hey, why stop? Right. Mm. Well, the thing that kind of gnawed at me is that Lesnar. Okay, they 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 put the title on him. He goes more than thirty days, which that's the time honored, you know, tradition. You must defend the title every thirty days. He goes more than that because he just doesn't want to. And he has, they, they put it in his contract, you know, that, okay, he's, he's only working so many dates. We're giving him way too much money for these, these few dates. And he's going beyond the 30 days with the title. There's no consistency here. And yeah. that, as a wrestling fan, that just kind of, it, it just, I, I get it. I get it. But, on the other hand, it's just kind of gnawing at me, and it's like, no, this isn't right. You, yeah, there has to be health, some sort of consistency. Fucked off for three months, and then there's a worldwide pandemic, and they just strip Sami Zayn because he can't make it. Like, yeah, yeah, like now, if they were to say, okay, you know, okay, the Intercontinental Title must be defended every thirty days, but with COVID nineteen. You know, the world is in upheaval and all that. We are giving him special, not special consideration, but we're, 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 um, what's the word? We're, we're letting that rule slide for a month. I know? think the whole thing right now is ratings. They need, this tournament is going to boost some ratings. 
You know what I mean? But that's what they're hoping. That, that's, yeah. That's what yeah. They're, they're or they're just, yeah. Because they just, they just need to do something with everything. You know? Like, it's not going to, uh, like, it's not going to move the needle, you know, but they need to do something with it. They need to do something with these people. And I kind of, and I kind of get that. But that's where your creative comes in. You know, if you can't think of something for 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 these great talents to do, well, maybe you need to look at your creative department and not screw over some guy through an act of God, and not keep firing great talents like Gulak. <laughs> yeah, no, Gulak let his contract run out. Oh, did he really? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I thought he was. I thought he was future endeavor. All right. No. Well, that's no. different. Yeah. That's too bad. Let's kind of revisit when we're talking um, the future endeavor ep- episode where they let a bunch of people go. Like, wh- who do you think Gulak would be best suited to pop I up? Can, I, can through, I can see him going back to do one more little run at CZW, which is where he came, where when where he was when he signed at WWE. So mm-hmm. I can see him going back there and doing a little thing, and then AEW maybe. I think, I think Drew Gulak is good enough that he could pretty much go anywhere. Like he's such a great technical wrestler. I like it's the obvious one, but I he could do all right in AEW. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's there's I don't think there's any limit to where he could go. Like well, he's, he's a phenomenal wrestler. I remember seeing him back when he had that um no fly zone gimmick going. What a fantastic wrestler. He, he sort of did that in a uh, combat zone wrestling also where he was talking mm-hmm. about that he was walking around and be like this hardcore wrestling is bullshit no one should do it blah 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 I'm protesting and he did it there but just that's like right. instead of yeah. high flying he protested death matches which I think combat zone should have a character like that yeah like a politician like character like how he was yeah throw a suit on beat the crap out of people and just Bend him up like that. I, I think he, he did. He was great. <laughs> Fantastic wrestler. Yeah, um, his match with uh, Drew or with uh, Daniel Bryan on uh, this past Friday in the Intercontinental Tournament was the best, easily the best match of the night. Too. Phenomenal. Yeah. And like I bet mm-hmm. WWE's kind of kicking themselves that they didn't throw more money or something at him. Keep him like. He's fantastic. I didn't realize that he let his uh, contract expire. I guess he's got a plan. Yeah, so he's you know? yeah, he doesn't have the no compete clause, so he can go anywhere he wants right now. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good because yeah, the, the that that no compete clause is always put in the contract, so you know, out of sight, out of mind. So he's yeah. of lesser value to another. Fa- I'm actually well. I guess now that AE, now that the war, you know, now that there is a competitor. In AEW, Vince is going to be using that more and more. Yeah, I you suppose. Know, I, I, to have a no compete clause with no competition, though, that would be another scumbag move. I'm sure <laughs> AEW's got the same thing in their contracts. Well, um, they might not have the clout to be able to do that just yet. I don't think, like, during the, uh, when, when the NWA and the WWF were at war, I don't think the NWA had the clout, had the stroke, whatever, to be able to enforce that. You know, no, does, does, does AEW have it now? I don't know. If signing a big contract with AEW, they can say what they want to say. If there's enough money on there, you're going to be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You get well, to do what you do as a living for it. The second biggest, well, biggest, second biggest, third biggest, maybe 
New Japan. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, if you can jump on with any of them and they're throwing money at you, you're going to glance over that contract, I'm sure. You know what I mean? If that's your dream come true, hell yeah. You know what? Yeah, give me the last page. Let me check that one. You know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, well, depending on who, this this the the bigger the name, the more yeah. stroke you have in negotiating with AEW. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it, it would definitely be interesting, like to see every wrestler's individual contracts, like to have for those to be like public knowledge, like to be, you know, to be a, a, available to the public, which is not realistic, but it would be interesting to see every individual's contract, not just today, but from since 1980 all the way to today to see everyone's contract, to have access to it. would That would be amazing. That just put put them all in a book. And then <laughs> you, know. value. You, you can see the value that the that uh, the owners put in each wrestler. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. It's a horrible invasion of privacy. Oh, that, definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. There's, there's no way you could do it. But just from a Mark standpoint, who, who doesn't want to take a look? You know, who wouldn't yeah. want to take a look at Ric Flair's contract coming into the WWF, you know, in 1992? See, see the bump that uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, little points that would be really cool to see. Well, back then, the 98 No Compete Clause didn't exist. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah sure. Because, because they oh, had, yeah. everyone had, stro- everyone had stroke and everyone had, you know, every everyone had that bargaining chip because, yeah. you know, if, if you don't give me what what you want in WCW, well, then I'll run over the WWF. You don't give me what I want in the WWF, I'll go to WCW. Yeah, that's what made the Monday Night War so interesting. That, that that's why Rick Rude was able to appear on Nitro and Raw on the same night. <laughs> the same night. You know, I was pre-taped and Nitro was live. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and Quentin crossed over within that time. Rick Rude's a great example of that. Yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, uh, before we move on, uh, favorites to win the IC ter- title tournament? <sighs> I don't even know who's. I don't even really, off the top of my head, who all I'm is. I would go with uh, either Brian or Nakamura, maybe. Or Elias. Yeah, but they've both, they've both played. Brian and Nakamura have both been champion already. That's I like that. Yeah, I, I, I would go with. Uh, I want it to be shame, uh, come down to Sheamus and uh, AJ Styles, but I have a feeling Jeff Hardy's going to win it because they're pushing them hard to keep him away from AEW. Oh, maybe I can see that. I can see that, and I heard the name Elias in there. Is he? He's in the tournament, right? Yeah. Yeah. He he beat Baron Corbin on SmackDown to advance. Okay, so, I I'm kind of liking that because they're giving him a pretty good babyface push. And I yeah. think he's a great wrestler. Oh yeah, he, and a he's, great character. Whoever wins the Nakamura Styles match. Okay, well I'm throwing it out there that I I I I got Elias. I think it's time they put a title on him. Well, he's been twenty-four. Okay, <laughs> it, it's 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 time they put a title on him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I, this this twenty-four-seven bullshit title. I just can't. 
I get um, it. It's a it, it's a gag title, but I just can't. No, no. <laughs> I think the uh, winner of that tournament. I really like Daniel Bryan for it because he gave some. He gave a big speech on uh, um, SmackDown. Yeah, yeah, on SmackDown recently. And it was fantastic. Like he was saying, you wanted to bring the prestige back to the, you know, one of the biggest titles of all time, one of the oldest titles, and this and that. All of the great of the greats have held this title, and I want to bring that back to its former glory, and this and that, and this and that. And I really, really liked it. So, um, and he's the kind of guy that uh, they want on TV, right? Yeah. So he'll be every week, boom, I see title every week, and that'll be the main title because yeah. their champs not uh, or. Braun Strowman doing tag team matches. Yeah, but uh, well, if if Daniel Bryan wins it, I would like to see him bring back the uh, the open challenge, like the weekly open challenge, kind of like how Seth Rollins was doing with it. Oh yeah, that, yeah. that like the U.S. title, uh, U.S. Open. Yeah, or like John Cena did that with the U.S. title, and then Seth Rollins did that with the IC. Title. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I like the idea. Of them acknowledging that the IC title has to be relevant, a, they have to they have to elevate it to what it once was. And I don't mean to sound like an old man again, but like the IC title used to mean something. You know, they put it on champions, or they put it on people that they were building to see if they could put him as a world title that's why they put it on the ultimate warrior that they experimented how would rick rude do as a world champion well let's put the ic title on and let's let's go from there same thing with kurt henning and hard to believe hard to believe savage hard to believe there was a time when stone cold steve austin the rock feud over the ic title right and like again i think like when big guys come back they should be like i want that ic title yeah, you know yeah, that's because a, it should mean something. You know, they changed the design of it to look like the WCW US title there. Oh, that's well. The the, the WCW US title was more of a rip off of the Intercontinental title. It was like it was like had that same basic design. Then they then, oh, really? and then and then WWF changed the Intercontinental title to that oval design. Ah, okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I was backwards. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm just a host. I'm pretty dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but going back, uh, Matt uh, mentioned that the Intercontinental title was once known as the Workhorse title, and that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Definitely. Definitely. That's, a, that's a good way, yeah. All right, guys. That's, uh, that's stuff the bullshit. You ready? Yep. Ready. Dustin, give us a big intro. This is... is- this is a new, uh, a, a brand new segment on Wrestling Night in Canada, and it's called The Duck Pond with Dustin. Here we go. So, so now you in, introduce. This, yeah, this yeah. is you, man. This is yeah. you. Yeah, I'm thinking what to say quick. Oh. Shit. Um, <laughs> okay, okay, I got it, I got it. Hi, guys. Um... I we have finally have an interview for the show and I would like to introduce the interview here we I interviewed a, a wrestler by the name goes by the name of Casanova Valentine he started the no ring death matches in New York and we got to know him a little bit and yeah I think you'd all like it here it is the Bushwick Antichrist 
the scum lord of the underground, the creator, the originator, the goddamn motherfucking pioneer of the no-ring death match, Brooklyn Black Death, the hipster hunter of Casno Valentine, is here at Wrestling Night in Canada. And Dustin, we're going to lose our fucking minds. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, what up? So, what? Uh, when did you... Well, for one, it, it's nice to have you on. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you and me shoot the breeze every once in a while on Instagram. He asked me to come on. And luckily for you, I have an abundant amount of free time. <laughs> so uh, Yeah, yeah I, with, I, with I, all the bullshit going on in the world right now. Yeah, and I'm actually looking forward to being on here because uh, we were chatting a little bit before you started that we're both into like different art our respective metal scenes and uh, we all both love wrestling. So um, I'm happy to be here. So th- thanks for, thanks for asking me to be on and thanks for not giving up because I'm really bad about messaging people back. So thank you for being persistent. And I, I just a big idiot who gets hit in the head with tubes. So <laughs> thank you for <laughs> staying on me. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I could do this. All right. I'm glad you're here too. When we were talking about who we should interview first, I'm like, well, there was this deathmatch show coming up, and I was going to try and talk to one of the guys coming down for that, and it just like, fell through, and I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I was like, wait a minute. I watch a bunch of Casanova Valentine knowing deathmatches. Maybe I should try and hit him up. And here we are. Here we go, man. I, uh, I like to think I'm pretty accessible. Uh, just shoot me a DM and uh, I'll, you know, I'll shoot the breeze. And uh, even after shows, I like to get just get drunk with the fans. You know, that's not, that's half the reason why I do it. Like I, I'm just trying to have fun. I, don't, uh, I take the wrestling, you know, I, I perform it seriously and stuff, but afterwards I just want to hoot and holler in a new city and have fun. So yeah, I'm all, I'm all about uh, shooting the breeze and uh, pounding some beers. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that's always a good time to do that. Let's get into some of the questions here. The first one I have here is, uh, when did you first start watching professional wrestling? When I first start watching? What's funny yeah. is, uh, I've been asked this before, and the, the honest, the truth is, my very first memory was pro wrestling. My very first memory of my, my entire fucking life is, is Hulk Hogan on TV. So I don't remember a time not loving pro wrestling. It's been entrenched with me forever. Like I, it's like always been who I am. You know, even as a kid, I remember uh, we had Pee Wee wrestling here, um, and I didn't know that wasn't wrestling on TV. So they dropped me off, uh, and I just started punching and kicking kids. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I had to call my parents to come pick me up. Uh, uh, this yes. kid named BJ Penny, who's from my hometown he was the one i beat up and to this day even when i bump into him he's always like hey remember you beat the shit out of me <laughs> first day <laughs> wrestling practice uh, that's great and, uh, and then i you know i wrestled amateurly my whole life so i've always loved wrestling uh you know I'm, I'm like a big guy i'm a bouncer so i've always been interested in bouncing and wrestling and boxing and you know mma and so i've just always been into it um but i always loved pro wrestling more than combat sports. I, I mean, I, I watch boxing, MMA, all, all that stuff. And uh, I've been a bouncer in New York City for years. So trust me, I've had my fair share of real fistfights, you know. 
Yeah. Uh, I've been stabbed. I've got stabbed all the way through my face, all this shit. And, uh, oh, fuck. Yeah, that was, that, that's a whole nother story. But uh, what I love about pro wrestling is I love the theatrics. I love character development. I love creative storylines and ideas and build up and blow offs and payoffs. You know, I, I just, it's just fun for me to have guys like Mr. Perfect and, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, Legion of Doom. It's just cool, cool characters, cool moves. You know, I like the idea that everyone has a specialty move or yeah. their signature thing or, you know, Blackjack Mulligan, hell, he does the Iron Claw and he's got this crazy grip. Like, I, I just think that stuff's fun. I don't know. It's always been an interest of mine. I always love movies like Bloodsport and, like, Kickboxer and... You know, this guy's got snake style, you know? Like, just, yeah. <laughs> I love shit like that. So uh, the slight goofiness of pro wrestling, but the badass of, of it just uh, always appealed to me as a kid. So I, so my whole life has been entrenched with promos and this guy's a bad dude. This guy's a mercenary. This guy has a glass eye. I don't know. I just think yeah. <laughs> And what made you decide to get into pro wrestling? Well, like, growing up with, like, Hogan and all those dudes, um, watching all those guys, um, when did you decide to get into the professional style of it? Well, you know, I always wanted to be a pro wrestler, and I, I grew up in upstate New York, and but, like, it's a little different, because, like, I didn't have a cell phone until college, so I'm, like, the last generation to grow up without the internet, like, like, I had the internet. We had, like, instant messenger, you know, like, AOL instant messenger. But it wasn't, yep. like, it wasn't oh, like kids AOL. now. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, so, like, it wasn't like kids now who were just, like, I was at the airport, and I saw this little kid with an iPad, like, in a stroller, watching some bullshit on the iPad. And they're like, mm. Jesus Christ. And they went into the settings and turned the brightness up, and then went back to the Netflix. I was like, what the fuck? But, like, it blew my mind a kid knew to do that. Like, I was, like, eating dirt. So, so what I'm saying is it wasn't as easy to find a wrestling school. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. had I known what I knew now, I would have never gone to college. I would have never fought, you know, went out for college sports. I would have just went straight to wrestling school. Uh, I know that there was a wild Samoan wrestling school in Allentown, Pennsylvania, which wasn't too far from me. And I remember wanting to go there, but I remember thinking at the time it was like a school, like you would go there, but it was like, when I fell out of college, like, you could move to this town if you want and find a job and live here, but it's not like a school school. I, I didn't get it that, you know, it was, it was different time. You know, I was younger. So uh, I fell out of school. Um, I was just, I felt I went to school for art and I also played college football, D3 football. And I fell out of school and I just didn't really have a bunch of life direction. And I was bouncing big clubs and doing like VIP booths. All these bullshit clubs, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> just just soul draining. <laughs> but I'm like a big personable guy, so like I always did well with security because instead of just being the doorman, I'd always end up being like the VIP person or like the liaison with like celebrities and stuff because I'm big, but I'm like personable. So like I always got like a pretty cool bouncing gigs, you know. Like I'd always do like the VIP booths and shit like that. Um, it felt kind of cool to do that sometimes, you know. You know, I'd always do these, like, nice strip clubs and shit. But uh, I didn't really have much life direction. And then the girl I was seeing at the time, this is, like, years ago now, you know, uh, yeah. broke up with me. 
and she like worked high in the fashion, like big fashion. This is like bullshit Manhattan stuff, you know? She's <laughs> like, uh, my real name's uh, Christian. She's like, Christian. Oh, sorry. Sorry to break the, sorry to ruin the rules. I just killed wrestling. My real name's Christian. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, not the like, kayfabe. Not the kayfabe. Yeah, kayfabe. Kayfabe's dead. Cass killed it. Uh, uh, <laughs> but she was like, I work in fashion. I have a job for Vogue magazine. Christian, you fail on college and you are fun for being a fun bouncer and going out and doing fun party things, but you're going nowhere. And it broke up with me. And it was like, at the time, it was devastating. And I was like, oh, I'm a loser. Uh, you know? And I, I was like, dude, why don't I become a pro wrestler? Why not? I've always wanted to do it. I, I, I always, I'm big and athletic. Um, and I love it. And I have no reason not to. Like, I literally have nothing. I, the, the, the key to making a pro wrestling is to be at rock bottom. Because even getting thrown in barbed wire and shit, I'm still traveling and having fun. You know, it's like, I, can't, I couldn't do any worse than I was at that time, you know? So I had nothing to lose. I looked up wrestling schools. I found one in Deer Park, Long Island. Uh, I lived in Brooklyn. And so I just started going. Uh, I just just did it. Uh, it was uh, two hours away. I take the train in, get the shit kicked out of me, take the train back every Sunday, Tuesday for like a year and a half. And it was hard and grueling. And sometimes I'd want to quit because, it, you know, they weren't nice and it, it just sucks, you know? Yeah. All the cardio sucks. Squat, doing a thousand squats sucks. Oh, but fuck. I said to myself, as long as I don't quit, I'll be a pro wrestler. And so here I am. I, I fucking... I went to wrestling school. I I, I trained at uh, NYWC, which is Mikey Whipwreck from ECW founded it. Okay. Um, and my trainer was Tony Nice, who is in WWE, the cruiserweight division. So legitimate school. Anytime anyone says, "Oh, Casanova can't wrestle," uh, I went to a legitimate school, and uh, I you know I chain wrestled for five months before I even touched the ring. I just yeah. prefer to do the style I do because. It's fun, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd rather fight in bars and hang out than a middle school gym, you know. So yeah, uh, so yeah, I just I just found the school and started doing it. So you know, had I known what I knew now, I would have started at like nineteen or eighteen. But you know, it's life. You never know. I'm just thankful that I found my place in the world. Like you know, mm -hmm. that I I spent a lot of my early twenties very depressed, very like, what's the point? What am I doing? Who am I? What am I? you know, having no place in the world. And I'm very thankful because some people never find their thing. And I'm so thankful I found my thing because it was always there in front of me, but I was always like, you can't go after wrestling. I don't know why I always thought, it, but I just did it. I said, Bafangul, and I just fucking did it. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just found a wrestling school, started doing it. And if I could give any advice to anybody who's thinking about wrestling, no matter how fucking old you are or what your local scene's like, if you want to do it, Fucking do it. Uh, I know that when this is all said and done and my career is over and my life's over, I know that I just did what I wanted. Uh, I just fucking went for it, you know, and I have no regrets. You know, people could say what they want or think about what they want. Oh, he was a deathmatch wrestler. At the end of the day, I traveled the whole world living my dream. And God damn, is it just fucking awesome. My life is so much better. Uh, if you talk to me in my early 20s when I was right before I broke in, to what you're talking to me now, who's wrestled Australia, uh, UK, a lot of Canada, uh, all of America, man, my life is awesome. Uh, I'm just like, if, if I, you know, the only thing missing in my life is being in phenomenal shape. But once that's there, I'm going to be king of the king, big dick. I'll, I'll have everything. So, uh, 
so yeah, I just I decided to do it because I had nothing else to lose, and I, yeah. I th- thank God I did. That's the short answer. That's the short. <laughs> <laughs> That's the short answer. <laughs> what made you decide to do this crazy hardcore shit that a bunch of people around the world love? Well, for me, it's like, so growing up, I loved, you know, I got into Hulk Hogan. I really, dude, first of all, I'm going to say I fucking love Papa Shango. And I, if anyone goes, huh, Papa Shango, fuck them. Papa Shango was scary and awesome. And he had yep. a fucking sick look. <laughs> I love Papa Shango. Uh, I love character, weird guys. Uh, but when I was a kid, I was like nine years old. My older brother was babysitting and he, you know, he let me stay up late. He was cool. You know, yeah, you can stay up. And he already had wrestling magazines that were really bloody of like, you know, Wahoo McDaniel. My older brother's 20 years older than me to give you an idea. Okay. okay. So, so he's a lot older. So he had, he like, he had magazines with Bruiser Brody, Abdul the Butcher, like all the bloody wrestling magazines. And I mm-hmm. remember, what's that? That's not just like, like, why is this dude stabbing a dude with a fork? Yeah. And it wasn't like WWF. Like that was scary. You know, I remember looking at the magazines, like Wahoo McDaniels covered in blood. Like what the fuck, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he let me stamp one night and ECW came on and I saw ECW at two in the morning. My, my brother's cool. Uh, he like, you know, we're eating pizza up late and I'm nine and I, it blew my mind. It blew my feeble fucking mind to see like, cause I was what used to Hulk Hogan and ultimate warrior, you know? Yeah. I still love that kind of style. I love, I don't, I hate everyone that hates on warrior and Hogan's in ring. It was fun. It was fucking silly fun. I had fun. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful for it forming who I am. But ECW, like, blew my mind. I didn't know wrestling could be like that. Like, smoky and shitty in Philadelphia and violent. Like, yeah, I saw my brother's magazines, but I was a little boy. I'd never seen it, you know? Um, so then from, from getting into ECW, I started watching ECW, like, re- religiously. I think ECW is probably the most, like, I, I think I love ECW more than I love almost anything in my life. I feel like, honestly, like, I love ECW. Like, it was the most impactful thing in my entire existence, you know? Yeah, I'm currently watching all the episodes since they're on the network. I'm just going back, and I'm like, oh, yes. Oh, Hardcore TV? Yeah, dude. Um, One of the big things I'm doing is, when I come back to wrestling, I've been studying a lot of roadkill. I'm adding, like, a lot of his offense off the ropes. So, yeah, old stuff's new again. You watch a lot of stuff, emulate it. But, uh, But, yeah, I started watching ECW. And then from ECW, I discovered FMW and Odita, Mr. Pogo, Masada Tanaka, fucking Hayabusa. And, and so then it just got me into Deathmatch, you know? And then my older brother's like, oh, if you like this stuff, you like Bruiser Brody. He started showing me the old stuff, you know? Terry mm-hmm. Funk, Dory Funk, you know, Texas Deathmatches. So I was lucky that I discovered Deathmatch early when I was younger, you know? Um. And then uh, when I, be- I when I started to become a pro- when I decided to become a pro wrestler at like 25, 26, um, I was like, I wanted to be a hardcore guy, like I, I let's because that's what I'm attracted to. It's what I, I thought yeah. was cool. Um, in New York State, you cannot do death matches; it's illegal because it's all through the New York State Athletic Commission. Uh, so I like I broke in at 26, so I've been wrestling for I've been wrestling one, two, three, like. One, two, three, four, five, like seven years, six years, you know? Uh, but I didn't know how to go about it still, you know? Um, I know that there was CZW and, you know, Deathmatch in Jersey, but I didn't know I was early in my career. Um, 
so I just started doing, I was known as a hardcore guy in New York. I do like Brooklyn street fights and stuff like what mm-hmm. we could get away with. And then when with I started a, doing the no down, death yeah. matches, uh, I just did them as performance art pieces. So I didn't get shut down by the commission. Cause I, I didn't advertise my shows as wrestling shows. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm doing a no ring death match. It's performance art. So then I started doing death matches and then that way and then I got known for the death matches. And then those promotions just reached out to me. So I never like, went out of my way to get booked by these places. I wanted to get there. I just didn't know how, but I eventually got there on my own by just getting popular with my own shows and then them contacting me. So yeah, I just, I just, Deathmatch was always cool. Uh, to give you an idea what a sick fuck I am. The first time <laughs> I got thrown into barbed wire, the, the first thought I had was finally. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you're just like, this doesn't feel great, but yes. <laughs> uh, dude, but honestly, like, I'm most alive. It sounds cool. This would be cool for a fucking song. I feel most alive when I'm dying. But like, <laughs> I love doing death matches and barbed wire matches. I fucking love it, dude. I I love being covered in blood and fist fighting a motherfucker and like having it be good. I'm sick. <laughs> I'm sick, dude. <laughs> I'm never happier than when I'm doing a death match. You know, like, and you know what? Yeah. Yeah, the cuts and scrapes and the broken bones. And, but, like, that's all I've ever wanted to do, you know? So it's like, yeah. you know. Yeah, I watched that match with Masada again the other day, and he punched the shit out of me. <laughs> with, with, with the no ring or the barbed wire? The no ring. The no, oh, dude, uh, that's, I'll, I'll give you a factoid. That, so Masada, at that time, was the biggest name guy I had ever, ever wrestled. Uh, I had been doing the underground no ring shows in New York um, that I started them up and I was wrestling all their local hardcore New York guys. No, mm-hmm. no names, you know, just, I wrestled indestructible Joe, indestructible Joe tell this guy named magma, just hardcore guys from New York who wrestled local promotions. Like I did, you know, I wrestled yeah. for years just locally. I, you know, people know of me now. And I had a whole career before all this. Like, I used to wear pink boots and <laughs> slick my hair. I, you know, like, uh, but I just didn't get the boom until I started the no-ring stuff, you know? Um, and then Masada, at the time, he was he used to live in Texas, but he moved to New York for a, a short period. And he hit me up. And it was like, hey, man, I'd love to do one of your shows. And I was like, yeah, you know? Like, that's the problem <laughs> misconception is I don't go out of my way to book people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not hounding down... Like the people that initially didn't get didn't get the idea or didn't know what I was or you know they just see a video of me fighting famously known deathmatch guys in a bar they would think oh this is some fucking fan guy pays these wrestlers to come fight him in a bar what is that and they you know that's not what it is and I'm a fully trained wrestler I've been wrestling for years and they they hit me up to do it and one of them say no hey Masada I'd hate to do a bar where I, I hit a deathmatch with you you know like no cool you know. And I just split the door, you know, like whatever I make, I pay them, you know? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's completely do it yourself underground punk rock show. Like I'm not, if this isn't like a uh, vanity project I made, <laughs> you know, like it, yeah. it just, it just organically grew. And I started making good money and having opportunities to book my friends and book other States and other places. Why would I not keep doing them? You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. it depends on how you feel about Castle of Valentine. If, Fury, if you're a Joey Janela fan, you probably hate me, you know, but if you're just a dude who's in the metal and punk rock and you just want to see 
two tough dudes fight and drink a beer, then you probably think it's cool. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's your it's up to you what you like or don't like. You know, that's uh, your prerogative. But uh, so Masada hit me up to do one, and that match I broke my right hand. I uh, I threw a chair at him, and punched it in his face. Yeah, and then when he gave me the Masadomizer, which is just a great name, uh, the Masadomizer off the stage. It like fucked me up, and I actually—that's the most hurt I've been after a match. I had to like rush home after that one and just sleep for a week because I felt like I got hit by a train. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that me, that match. Me and looked, are good yeah, friends that now. Painful as shit. Yeah, yeah, it, the whole match hurt. The skewers were miserable, uh, and but uh, me and me and Masada were cool. Um, I actually invited to his wedding. Uh, so oh, that's that's Masada, awesome. Guy that we're boys now. Um. And then we had the No Rope Barbed Wire at uh, the 21st Anniversary Combat Zone show. And that was fucking fun match. So Masada's like was one of my favorite deathmatch wrestlers. So the fact that I've had to have, I've had two really good matches with him, you know, um, I love it. Yeah, the, both of those. I just recently watched the one from the 21st Anniversary show, and it was fucking great. <laughs> Thank you, man. I, I was very, you know... A lot of people like to share on CZW, and it's like the cool thing to do to wear your CZW's pussy shirt. And you know, I, it's, I like, it's like the shitting on CZW is like metalheads shitting on like Five Finger Death Punch and like <laughs> yeah, all, all this. I, but here's like, the thing: is CZW? This is what I'll say about CZW: is um, for whatever reason, me and the owner of GCW do not get along. So you'll never see me in the GCW ring, right? So here's yeah. a popular deathmatch promotion that offers me paydays and they, they give me main event pay-per-view bookings. Like they're giving me huge opportunities. I can't speak for other people's interaction with DJ or the back and that they might be have fully within their rights to have a bad feeling, you know, but they've always treated me well and they give me a big platform. I can't work GCW. I, I'm not, you know, I don't work beyond. I don't work, uh, you know, the bigger name, indie promotions so for me yeah. actually CZW is the biggest promotion I've ever wrestled and I'm still a fully known international deathmatch wrestler you know I'm not mm -hmm. in progress I'm not in fucking GCW I'm not in pro wrestling gorilla you know what I mean like yeah. so I'm thankful they give me opportunities they listen they let me be creative uh, and all my interactions with doing business with CZW have been positive uh, but I'm not saying that could change I'm just saying for me, I, I and plus I grew up watching CZW. I want to be in Tournament of Death. I don't give a fuck about these, you know. I don't like GCW's tournament. That it doesn't have the same teeth to it to me as Tournament of Death, you know. Yeah. So I'm glad. I, my dream as a kid was to be in Tournament of Death, and I've been in two. You know, it's it's cool, man. Uh, so yeah, that meant a lot to me to get that match. You know, pay per view main event, no world barbed against who I think is the best deathmatch wrestler ever, Masada, like, pretty cool, you know? <laughs> yeah, those are, yeah, that was a pretty sick match. And if, if you were to have, like, a dream match. Who would I like, wrestle in a dream match? Like, a dream match to, like, book on one of your shows to have, like, a no ring with. Well, I, I, I you know, I feel like there's only a couple matches that are feasibly still happen. Off, yeah, like because like Zandig's gone, wife beater, he just won't come back. You know who who's on the table? Um, it would be nice to get Sabu if I could before yeah. it's all said and done. 
Uh, Sabu probably. Um, you know, I think we could have a really fun one. Uh, yeah, I grew up as a huge Sabu fan, and I it would just be cool. You know, to make life like to come whole full circle. You know what I mean? Uh, probably mm-hmm. Sabu. I think that would be neat. Uh, I'd love to do fucking like Jimmy Havoc. That would just be cool too. Uh, me and Jimmy Havoc have always been kind of cool with each other, and uh, every time he, you know, he's in town, we usually hang out. And I wrestle in Orlando a lot, so he's in Florida. But he's a cool guy, and I like personally, I like to do Sabu just because I've always been a fan, and just as a as a mark, it would be cool to wrestle Sabu. Just yeah, I did. Uh, but just to, say wise, just to say Sabu through a chair to your head. <laughs> yeah, dude, it'd be cool. You know, it would be it would be cool to have a, a link to to his lineage and know that he wrestled me, you know? Um, yeah. But, uh, like, career move-wise, I think Jimmy Havoc, because uh, I've done an O-ring with Mance Warner. I've yet to do a match with Jimmy Havoc. And I feel like I'm right at that line where I'm I'm known, I'm a known deathmatch wrestler, but I'm, like, right at the cusp below MLW and AEW, you know? Yeah. Um, and Mance Warner, who I've wrestled, is a good friend. I've wrestled Mance more than once. And then uh, Jimmy Havoc, they're both on MLW and AEW. So I'd love to be able to have an opportunity to have a great match with him because I'd love to be able to show not only that I can work with him, I'm on their, his work rate level, but mm-hmm. hopefully that would open the doors to me getting bigger promotions. So the fan answer, Sabu, the, the making moves in the back, I would like to do Jimmy Havoc. <laughs> Yeah, that would be a really cool match, you and Jimmy. Yeah, and Jimmy's a cool dude, and uh, I would just hoss fight him, and we'd just have a big, big fist fight, and uh, that would be cool, man. And uh, that's my goal when I get back is I've been training super hard this whole this whole epidemic break. I built a gym in the, the barn behind my parents' house, and I'm just running and lifting and working out, and I'm trying to get ready. I'm 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 acting as though I have a TV contract waiting for me. And that once this is done, I'm I have to be TV ready. That's the way I'm treating it. Yeah, I want I want to I love doing deathmatch. I'll never stop doing these underground bar shows, you know. But man, to to get on TV and to get just that much more exposure would just like it would really make all this really feel worth it. So that's mm-hmm. my next goal, and I you know I think I'm gonna get it. So I'm just gotta keep plugging away. Yeah, that would be really cool to tune into something on TV and we can be like, wait a minute. Right? And, you know, why can't I? Like, I could, I could roll with Mance or Jimmy. I think I, I could, I'm on par with them. So uh, I just got to get myself to looking TV ready, you know? I'm a bigger guy. I just got to get my chest up, get my gut down, hit a couple flare kicks, and we're, we're good to go, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, since you're into, like, the metal scene as well, uh, what are some of your favorite bands? Some of my favorite bands. Yeah. Oh man, I, I listen to like everything. Uh you know, I, I love metal and death metal and black metal and hardcore and I hate pop punk. I fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I'm trying to think who would I listen to a lot. I listen to like Behemoth and a lot yep. of like evil shit, you know? Uh just like old school. I listen to like Slayer, you know, I Basically anything that I'm in the gym and I'm just like, fuck yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, just shit that'll get you going. Yeah. I, I listen to a lot of like old stuff like that. Uh, I've been, I've been guiltily listening to a lot of like 
ghosty main kind of like horror rap too recently while I'm in the gym. Uh, but like I love metal, uh, like goat whore, uh, just stuff like that, you know, kind of old schooly, kind of feely. Uh, so yeah, right now I'm a mix of like horror rap and, and death metal, which is I know I know Schlack heard this, he'd be like, "What the fuck?" But you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's what I listen to now. But uh, but yeah, I, I love everything. I fucking I love like uh, you know, I used to listen to like uh, well, I right now I really love Knock Loose. They're a hardcore band, Knock Loose, and like. Uh, First Blood and Sworn Enemy. I like a lot of New York hardcore because I, you know, I'm from New York and yeah. Just uh, I just love any kind of death metal, fast metal is my shit. Uh, oh, I mean, I also love doom metal too. So I don't know. There's there's, there's too many to count. There's a uh, what is it? Oh, there's this band I've been listening to a lot recently. Let me look up their name real quick. It's this band that they do. It's this awesome metal band, but they their lead singer is Alex Jones from Infowars. They use samples of him talking. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, Jesus Christ. Yep. <laughs> I think they're called Planet Terror. Let me double check. <laughs> they're dude, they're they're supposed to be funny, you know? Yeah. But they're actually really fucking good. Like I actually find myself listening to an Alex Jones led <laughs> death metal band. Let me look up the name real quick. Sorry, it's, I just it's gonna bother me if I don't know it. <laughs> That's really funny. I need to um, look that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll do I'll fucking send it to you. Uh, it's just like telling me. I'm scrolling through my uh, my Instagram. I mean my uh, messages. Uh, what are they, they called? I gotta find it. Oh, Alex Jones Prison Planet. There you go. <laughs> Alex Jones Prison Planet. Yeah, and so it's like this awesome metal band, and they just use samples of Alex Jones like talking gibberish, and it's like fucking awesome. It's actually like fucking sick because he's like, they they're coming to take us, you know. <laughs> ah, here it so, is, right here. Okay, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of this stuff too. <laughs> well, the logo's pretty sick. Oh, dude, they rule. When you when you get a chance after we get the phone. Check them out. They're, you know, they, they're kind of like a joke band, you know, like Australian Hunger, uh, Australian Death Machine, you know, whatever. Yeah. But they're kind of like Metal Apocalypse, where like it's like such good parody that it's just fucking actually really good. You know what I mean? Yep. So like I actually, unironically, have been listening to <laughs> Alex Jones' Prison Planet. But yeah, I listen to like everything, man. Uh, you know, I listen to like a lot of like you know local bands and like you know local hardcore shows and yeah. Uh, I re- I wrestled. Uh, I you know the show. What's the show called? Wrestling in Canada. Wrestling night in Canada. Yeah. Wrestling night in Canada. I I wrestle in Canada. Uh, I actually still hold a death belt death uh match title in Canada, but uh, I wrestled recently last summer. Uh. Heavy Metal Montreal, which is this huge metal festival. Do you know that? Yeah. Festival. So I wrestled on that, and um, I did two days of of matches, and uh, I wrestled Sexy Eddie and Green Hornet, I mean Green Lantern, who are like, you know, original ECW, obviously CCW Deathmatch Tournament guys. Uh, But the one night, Slayer headlined. So I I basically opened for Slayer. So – my life is pretty complete. I can say open for Slayer, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that'd be cool. Yeah, I saw Slayer 
three or four times. I dude, the fucking. I'm like I'm still the the opening riff of uh, Radiant Blood is the coolest. Yeah, I I wish I wish I hadn't have broken my leg right before I saw them for the last time on that final tour. Just like fuck. <laughs> I uh, so I went to go to Heavy Heavy Metal Montreal, and I was with my girlfriend, and I was super hungover and beat up. I did a a match where I got power bombed through a door and thumbtacks, and like it was actually a pretty physical death match we did, and uh, and then we stayed out and got wasted all all the wrestlers, and. Knock Loose was going to play the next day, and I love, I, I love Knock Loose. I know some people try to give them shit because they don't like lead singer's voice or whatever. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone they're has. Their shit. I, I see all the memes. Are like, they're so sick live. Yeah, listen, I like Knock Loose. I, you got a problem with me? Come fight me. I don't give a fuck. All right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I really wanted to see them because my favorite song is Counting Worms. I fucking. Uh, when that song comes on at the bar, me and my friends like lose our shit. And it's like just like a fun thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, I really want to see them. So I'm all hungover, beat up, cut up. And I forced us to get up and go to Heavy Metal Montreal the next day at like noon because they're playing like early yeah. instead of like staying in our hotel. And I dragged myself there and they didn't fucking play it. And I was so pissed. I like considered storming the, the stage. I was like, <laughs> I got up. You know, just to see you guys play this one song and they didn't play it was it was heartbreaking. That's like the two times I've seen Gojira. My favorite song is the one they've never played live. It's like Yeah, what? it's like what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I feel like Knock Loose is like they're like you know like they're is that not their most popular song? I feel like that's like their song. Yeah, it's definitely one of them. That would be like going to see like uh fucking um power trip and they don't play swim with the axe it was like what the fuck are you doing like they they were in town i think it was last was it last year they were here either yeah. last year or the year before fuck it was insane <laughs> power trip's awesome i had a i had a great time last time i saw power trip i had a fucking blast i always tell myself that i'm not going to go in the pit and anything i'm like nah, i'm an adult you know yeah and then i fucking get a little fucked up and the next thing you know i'm just kicking people dead in the chest <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like I I stopped moshing after I broke my leg, but there's some shows where it's just like, oh, I want to I want to do it. I want to get like, in there. I want to do it. If I'm I, sober, I will never do anything like that. I'm not. I'm very like, nah, come on, you yeah. know. If Dude, Quebec, second, I'm a little fucked up. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah if Quebec Death Fest still happens, I'm definitely moshing Dismember like that. Oh. Yeah. What <laughs> sucks is I was supposed to. WrestleMania week, there was this big show called Metalcade that was going to be through Fest Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be, what, Obituary, uh, Municipal Waste. can't remember the lineup, but those were the two ones that I really remember. Obituary. And, and so I was more excited about that for my Mania bookings. Because I was like, oh, this is going to be a fucking fun show. So out of all the bookings we all lost for, for Mania not happening, that was like the most devastating one. Yeah. I just wanted to get fucked up with yeah, Obituary was the last show I saw before this quarantine happened. Oh, yeah? Was it awesome, though? Oh, yeah. I saw... Uh, the last... I think the last good show I went to was I saw... Uh, was it... Was it uh, Toxic Holocaust in the Third Reich, I think, in Chicago? Oh, shit. Uh, those names are very scary. So if people don't know, <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but, they're like, 
they're normal, you know. They just have stupid old names, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. I saw them at Reggie's in Chicago, uh, and that was fucking great. Yeah, the reason I went to the obituary show here, it was uh, Lord Dying obituary in Black Label. Oh, sweet man! Oh, and, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I don't really listen to much Black Label Society, and I'm and I'm buddies with Lord Dying in obituary, so I went and hung out with them. Awesome. Because I had to work the next morning anyway. I was just like, well, I'll talk to you guys when you're here in like another year. So, yeah. (laughs) I think I saw, no, I think the last show I saw was at Voltage Lounge. It was a mortician, I think, was the last show I saw. Oh, Jesus. And I saw that with Schlack. I'm really really digging a hole for myself with uh, Toxic Holocaust and hanging out with Schlack. But but, uh, that show was really great. Uh, what has been through all like the years of this crazy deathmatch stuff you have been doing? What has been your? What do you think your worst injury's been? My worst injury. Uh, so people that know me personally know that I I'm very susceptible to broken ribs and uh, like very. I've had very severely broken ribs. I I've had okay. I've had five broken ribs in the span of seven years shit so it's been miserable um and what happens is i'm booked to wrestle so i can only take a little bit of time off but then i like it's what i do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i've been like there's matches like if you go back like okay if on my on my youtube channel for free there's a match me and mikey wild from chicago or wrestling for uh icw wisconsin okay if you go back and watch it see, i i couldn't even let him put weight on his pins on me I was like, oh, like, like, it's so, for me, it's very obvious to other people that don't know, but like, I wrestled injured most of my career. Uh, I, the last broken rib I got was last August. I did a seven man scramble at super kicked in uh, Toronto and this guy gave me a diving stomp and broke my fucking rib. And I was supposed to wrestle for them in Halloween and I had to pull off because my rib was steer. So from August all the way to Halloween it was still too smashed so I couldn't wrestle. Oh jeez. Like so to give you an idea how long these nagging injuries, you know. But I've been wrestling that whole time trying to take it easy and mm-hmm. and then right before that I wrestled I was talking about Memphis for Southern Sickness, I got stomped. And so I had to cancel 2 weeks worth of bookings. I just had to do enough that I could move and then kept wrestling. So I wrestled hurt, man. Trust me. Uh uh, so the rib injuries are definitely been the worst. Uh, the cuts, you know, you would think, oh, the light tubes and the, it's not the, the worst injury I've gotten from a cut is the one I do regret. I wrestled, if you watch uh, Terminator Death's second, uh, first round against Big Joe last year, a piece of tube goes all the way through my middle finger. And to this day, from the middle knuckle up, it's pins and needles, nerve damage, because oh, uh, it slipped the tendon and... uh I just, that's just my life now. I have to live with this. Um, I'll so have to watch the that worst, again. That's the worst injury from a cut. Uh, so that sucks. I wish I had my finger back, you know, um, but it's, you know, it's name the game. No one's making me do deathmatch. I, uh, I do it cause I love it. I just can't, can't, can't lose too much more feeling in my hand though. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's what I'm worried about with like, when I when I used to mosh constantly is if I fuck up my arm, there goes guitar playing or my hand. 
Yeah. Like when I broke my leg, I'm like, oh, fuck, there goes drumming. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I've broken my right hand twice. So my right hand is a little deformed. Mm-hmm. But I get never healed because I didn't get it. You know, I'm an idiot, you know. So I didn't get it fixed. And now I have nerve damage from my from my middle finger. The first digit all the way up. So like my right hand is getting mangled, you know, so it's like but I'm an artist. I could do artwork. So I have to really I can't take too much more to my right hand. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, playing a fine, a fine, fine line, you know? Yep. Just like, if anything, do the other hand. Not <laughs> not the one you draw with. Yeah, I made the mistake. I just did this match. I really got to take it easy on my right hand. I did a match with uh, this guy, Chuck Stein, uh, at uh, Horror Slam in Detroit, Michigan. And I told him, we're trying to call the match. And I was like, well, what do you do? You know, like, what, like, what, is there, what do you want to use? He's like, oh, I use... A staple gun. It's like synonymous. I come out with a barbar bat and a staple gun. I go, okay. I'm like, is there anything you want to do with the staple gun? Do you have any ideas? He's like, well, you know, staple dollar bills and stuff. I was like, all right. But for me, it's like everyone's seen that. It's 2020. By now, you've seen staple gun dollar bills. You know, like, yeah. I just don't want to do shit that's already been done. You know, I just want to try to think of something new, you know? So I made the mistake of being like, okay, staple the palm of my hand. Uh, Pull me up, put bend my fingers back and make a big show of it. And I wanted him to staple me in like the meat of my thumb, but he got me right in the middle and God fucking hurt. Like he hit me right in the nerve and uh, blood started spraying out and it was not the best. (laughs) (laughs) I think I saw you. Did you post something on Instagram about that? Because I think that's where I saw that. I posted clips of it where I was like, hey, this might be too hardcore to watch. But I'm so glad I had the wherewithal to grab the camera guy and go, look, 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 as I pulled it out and the blood sprayed out. So was, I, I like to, you know, if I'm going to get hurt, it might as well be filmed. Like, I, I want to, you know, use it. You know what I mean? I'm, or it's, it's happening. You got to use it, you know? There's nothing I hate worse is if you watch a lot of IWA Mid-South, the, whoever the camera people there are just dog shit. And these guys <laughs> took these huge bumps and they're, like, missing it. I'm like, what were you like, filming? They're like setting that, up this um... big bump. And you put the camera on the ground, like, what the fuck? Like, right? It, like that I, horrible gash Reed Bentley got in his head from that chair shot, and they didn't really show the chair shot. Oh, it's like, what do you like? If, if we're all gonna die out there, you might as well get it, you know? Right? Like, that cut that Reed Bentley had was nuts. Oh, fuck. And yeah, I saw that, and I was like, oh, what the hell caused that? And it was a chair shot, and I'm like, oh. Dude, his whole head, he still has a huge scar. I love Reed Bentley, he's a great guy. Uh, Huge scar across his head. Me and him, uh, we were supposed to have a Taipei death match at ICW uh, right before Mania. And uh, like that's another one that didn't happen. Uh, I was in Australia doing no ring death matches. And, and then when everything got shitty, I had to cancel half the tour and come home, right? Yeah. But my plan was, think, look how busy I was. I was supposed to go from Australia straight to the U.S. do ICW Taipei death against Reed Bentley. Stay in New York for two days, then fly to the UK and do Games of Death tournament for Rise Underground, right? And then from from UK, so Australia home, UK, and then from UK straight to Florida for Tampa to Media Week, and then to do like five death matches in eight, you know, eight regular matches, five of them death in a week. So like, <laughs> you know, 
crazy. Like that's the thing is people don't realize the schedule some of us keep. You know, like you know, some people like to say we're here because, especially with deathmatch, people are like oh, Cass can't wrestle and he's shocked and he doesn't do moves. No, the reason that you know my name is because I hustle. I fucking hustle. I'm wrestling all the world constantly. Like it's my work ethic, dude. Like mm-hmm. it's there's tons of deathmatch wrestlers. You know. The reason why I'm known and not and opposed to not known is because I'm in there. I'm wrestling all the time and I do normal in-ring shows all the time too. Like people just don't see those ones as often because they don't, you know, they just see the ones that they see, you know, by wrestle yeah. in ring. I do normal matches all the time. And the reason I'm where I'm at is because the pure fucking hustle, you know, like the, I don't, I almost want to say no one does more death matches than me in a year. I almost want to say that because I just can't imagine anyone doing more than me. Cause I do like five to six a month. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I really grind them. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it was nice of you to want to be on the podcast. No, and, thanks, thanks for having me. man. Yeah. Oh, uh, you're welcome. If you ever wanted to come on again and do a part two, hit me up. Let me know. Yeah. Is there is there anything else you want to ask me or are you all set? Uh, I thought I had one more, but I can't think of it Am at I the moment. Am I boring you? Am I boring? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, when you can think look, of can one. Um, let me, uh, before we go, let me just, can I plug uh, my oh, stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I was actually going to think. Yeah, plug yourself, social media, and everything. Yeah. Awesome. All right, dude, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's CasanovaVal666. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's MCDeathBear. It looks like McDeathBear. It's not. It's MCDeathBear. But it used to be my old art alias, but I wrestle more. This doesn't matter, but MCDeathBear is my Instagram. My Twitter is CasanovaVal666. If you look at my Instagram or my Twitter, I have all my merch, uh, you know, linked. But if you want, it's... uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Casanova Valentine. I have four sh- shirt designs. Uh, three of them are for me. One's for my No Ring Deathmatch promotion called New Fear City. Uh, so you can pick up my my promotion merch, my personal Casanova Valentine merch. Also on Smart Mark Video, you get the best of Casanova Valentine 2019. All 17 of my best matches from 2019. DVD, Blu-ray, download, whatever the fuck you watch it on. So I've got DVDs. I've got shirts. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, also, every Friday night at 10 p.m., I stream a show called Quarantine Love Line with Pat from the Boulevard Bullies, where we give love advice. It's really dumb. You shouldn't take love advice from me, but that's why it's funny. So I, we give <laughs> love advice streaming 10 p.m. Eastern Time, twitch.tv slash Boulevard Bullies every Friday at 10 o'clock. And I'm also in a thing called the Isolation Wrestling Federation, which is a joke thing where we cut promos on each other. Me and my friends just talk shit. It's a the first non-contact wrestling league. So <laughs> Isolation Wrestling, Boulevard Bullies, everything else. So thanks so much. And also you can watch my Vice, Vice doc. That's how most people know me. Yeah, the one the one with G. Raver there. Yeah, the one with Raver. And Raver's a great guy. I'm so happy that it was when they contacted me, the next show coming up was a match I had with Raver because he's a great dude and has always been a good friend, one of the nicest guys in the business. So I love you, Raver. 
And we all hope we all hope he gets well soon from his horrible injury. Yeah. Yeah. And, Absolutely. But, but yeah, it was nice talking to you. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for motherfucking having me. Hail Satan. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to Casanova Valentine for joining us for the very first interview on Wrestling Night in Canada. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And for you, Dustin, for taking the time out and doing that. I know, I know you were you were pretty excited, like, because this is this is your thing. This is one of like this whole death match and all the brutality and all that. Like you're one sick fucker sometimes. I swear to God. <laughs> you know, and this is this is the shit that that you bring. We all bring something to this show and this type of outlaw stuff is the stuff that you kind of bring. And, like, for me personally, um, what he does is it's good in small doses for me personally. Like, I don't understand because, you know, I'm an old schooler. Okay. I'm going to try to hold in my inner cornet because I have a lot, I actually have a lot of respect for tonight's guest. You know, because he's he, he's he's a brother as well. He's a legit metalhead, so I can't, uh, you know, I can't be critical of one of our own. And, you know, and I I've seen his matches and all that, and I see a lot of good in what in what in what he does, like kind of in small doses. For me personally, I'm all for a hardcore match or a death match, you know, as as a gimmick match during a regular card. That's when I think it it kind of works, and that's like. But for an entire an entire um, card of death matches, no ring death matches. So I think that's would be kind of a little much. And you know, I mean, I guess you kind of have to be a special breed, like to really dig that. You know, yeah. I'm kind of, yeah. And I'm also kind of, I'm also sorry, I'm also kind of a little concerned for, for Mr. Valentine that, okay, um, actors, okay, they have a tendency of being typecast, musicians, okay, like if, okay, or if you're an actor and you end up doing like just nothing but horror films, nothing but science fiction, well, you know, producers and all that, talent agencies and all that will kind of see you as, Okay, all he does is science fiction. Well, we need someone for this this drama bit. Well, not him, because all he does is fight space aliens. We can't use this person because all she does is get hacked up to bit bits by Jason. You know, she's kind of typecast as the scream queen, and I'm afraid that these people that do these brutal death matches, you know, are is someone from the NWA? Is Billy Pumpkins? Is is Tony Khan, is Vince McMahon, are they going to see these guys as just, you know, just deathmatch guys? One could see, I, for one, could see MLW grabbing him. Right. Because uh, oh. he, know, he knows Mance Warner, and he's wrestled Mance a few times. He has, yeah. And, yeah, I could see MLW possibly grabbing him. And, like he said, he's buddies with Jimmy Havoc, too. So if he could get, if for on the future if i can if him and havoc could do like a barbed wire thing in AEW, that'd be cool but he also he also like wrestles too because on 
his uh on his tours that he does, he usually does like half death matches and half normal matches. Well, that's good. So, that's and since good. he was trained by Tony Nese, knows what he's doing. So Casanova definitely knows what he's doing. Right on. Excellent. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to hear. And like I like I said, like this for our sister show, Radioactive Metal, you know, we're always on the lookout, you know, for uh, band interviews are great. You know, they're the they're the bread and butter of Radioactive Metal. But every once in a while, you know, we kind of like to branch out and an individual like Mr. Mr. Valentine, he brings something different. You know, like we've had we've had um, Priscilla Kelly on before and we've had authors on. We've had other DJs. We've had, you know, you name it in the past. We've had various different people that do other functions within the music world. And what Mr. Valentine does, that's just it's something it's something radioactive metal definitely needs to look into some more because there's also a big crossover as well. From yep. metal and wrestling, it's huge. Thus, and, this show and like he wrestled <laughs> at he wrestled at Heavy Montreal a couple years ago. Oh, right on! So awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, well how like how was that? Like, what what was the whys and wherefores behind that? Uh, apparently, at Heavy Montreal a couple years ago, when they they decided to throw in like a wrestling part, I guess before the show started, or maybe for like an intermission thing. So if you think about it, technically he opened for Slayer, like he uh-huh. said in the interview. <laughs> right, right, oh. right. <laughs> but Snowy, Snowy, talking about your uh... That's fucking awesome. <laughs> like if you're if you're like wondering how he could like like if he's like a one trick pony, like look 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 at other death match guys like uh John Moxley. He, right. he 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 came up in the deathmatch scene and he was like a deathmatch king in czw and then he went to uh fcw and became dean ambrose and then went through nxt and then went through the wwe with the shield now he's back uh back in AEW as uh john moxley is their world champion he's back moxing it up yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that definitely that's excellent i would really like you know for casanova to go that route wish wish all the best one of the things I've also taken from this is I'm I'm binging the dark side of the ring right now. I'm mm-hmm. all, as a matter of fact, I just I finished it. Everything that's available on my streaming service that I'm that I'm watching it on, I'm all caught up with what's available. And I was thinking, you know, with because of this interview and our guest and all that, the whole death match, the whole you know, no ring and all that, that is an episode right there. You know, because yeah, it's we, definitely a dark side of wrestling, I honestly think. Well, there yeah. is an inter sort of an interview documentary thing with him I can send you guys. Uh it's someone it's the Boulevard Bullies crew who he's buddies with. They went out and they filmed like a doc with him like two days before a match with G Raver. And like with all the planning and everything, and them going to buy weapons and building shit, it was really cool. It's only like 15, 20 minutes, but it's a really, really awesome documentary. G Raver is that guy that got knocked out, right? In the because he got pushed through the barbed wire ropes and hit yeah, his head on. And he's also, he almost, uh, he's currently on the shelf with a really bad arm injury. Oh, well. <laughs> he Give just, him a he landed, yeah, no. <laughs> they, did a, they did a ladder bump. 
with light tubes on top of it, but the one of the paint it was like a painter's ladder that they used. Okay. Is the company they were fighting for, I guess. It didn't look like they had like proper ladders. But they've <laughs> him and Jimmy Lloyd have done that brain buster spot on top of a ladder so many times where they're just like, Okay, let's do it. But when when the painter part broke, he slid across the glass Oof. and ripped his armpit open and just oh. And he only gained feeling back in his hand a few months ago. Oh, good for him. Wow. Wow. See, when you do these horrific bumps, yeah, it it, it gets you over everyone. Oh, wow. Look, look, you know, you know. But it's like, that's what you're now known for. You did this brutal, you jumped off the balcony in the mall. You You jumped off the roof through all of this barbed wire and into... Through, through these fluorescent lights and all that, that's kind of what you're now known to do. And when you get booked again, is the promoter saying to you, okay, well, what are you going to do? And if you don't do that, <laughs> you know, everyone's expecting, you know, to big the to the big death-defying dump, dump, the, the stunt, okay? And if you don't do that... Like an ECW was with New Jack, oh, you got to jump off something. Oh, you yeah, gotta... right. Right. He's now known for that. And if he doesn't do that, then everyone's disappointed, you know, and the promoter is expecting you to do something. And every one of these takes time. You know, you're 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 really, really threatening to injure yourself for very little money. No, no one makes any money on the indies. So to dive to be expected to do a huge bump all the time for little money that's insanity that's crazy maybe and that's that's gonna get you typecast maybe you're just a murderer that doesn't want to go to jail like new jack <laughs> <laughs> anyway um, let's move on from uh, that uh, fantastic interview that uh dustin mm. gave us there uh we uh thank him greatly for that and also thank you to casanova valentine 100%. Thank you, Casanova Valentine. Everybody check him out. I'm sure he's on social medias. Um, we are going to jump to uh, something last week we called Snowy's Corner, but this week we're going to call Turnbuckle Talks with Snowy. <laughs> and we're just going to go off on a tangent here. Everybody buckle up. Not so much a tangent. Or anything, but just just with the with the recent events of going on with Becky's pregnancy and all that, it, like I said, it kind of inspired me to kind of get us back. Like we have to remind ourselves, okay, every once in a while about like kind of the three, like the three points like that make the three fundamentals that make a professional wrestler. Okay, and those are being your mic skills, okay, your work rate, and your believability of character. Now, with the believability of character, there's two kind of schools of thought to this, where the people have to believe, like, this, this could be a real character. Now, you have those characters, and my best examples for this are generally Ric Flair and Rob Van Dam. These are characters that are basically 
the real person, but with the volume cranked to 11. This goes to 11. Okay. That's, that, that's what Ric Flair is. That's what Rob Van Dam is. That's why those characters are so damn believable. Okay. The other school of thought is you can have an outlandish character. And my example for this is always the undertaker. Nobody believes in real life that the undertaker has died or he's a supernatural character or he's <laughs> lightning. He controls lightning. You know, no one actually believes that, but I believe more than Jesus. <laughs> fair enough. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yes. I've seen it. I've seen the Undertaker die. All right. <laughs> but, but with, but with that, the church going listeners. I'm sorry, guys. He's <laughs> he can take that character, and while you're watching on the screen, you suspend that disbelief. Okay, and you can get right into it. That is the believability of your character. There have been lesser characters. Nobody believed that uh, Duke the Dumpster Drosy was a garbage man. No one believed um, Wait, that Kane was a uh, <laughs> Wait, was wasn't? a dentist or whatever. No, no one really believed that. But Wait, the Kane's Undertaker, the mayor of Knox County. What's that? <laughs> Okay, I'm going to be real with you. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, <clears throat> big boss man, that was a cop. 100%. No doubt in my mind. Um, the ultimate warrior was actually like the warrior that beat all the other warriors. Yeah. Okay, you know what I mean? Those are good examples. Those are good examples. You were able to suspend the disbelief. Now, with the big boss man... I knew that was Ray Trailer, who used to be Big Bubba Rogers in the NWA and the former UWF champion and all that. So I wasn't able to suspend disbelief because I just knew too much about his past. Joe Average, <laughs> WWF fan at that time, really didn't follow the NWA, didn't follow the UWF very much. So the believability of that character was really strong. Good example. Good example. Mm -hmm. um, the difference, though, Snowy, is I was six. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Which, 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 which kind of makes me think I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Okay. I was eight when I first discovered pro wrestling. I was eight in 1979. I started watching the AWA. And my dad told me right away, because my dad, he's from the old country, small town Saskatchewan. He, he, he could never get into science fiction. He could never get into anything that was, like, fake. He was never into anything fun. It had to have, it, it, it had to have some sort of strong reality to it. That's why my dad liked war movies and he liked westerns, typical boomer stuff, okay? My dad's the same way. Couldn't just can't get into anything fun, and so my dad, like, it really bugged him, like, for that I'm watching this fake shit, and he had to tell me right away that it was fake, and he had to point it out. See, he's not really hitting him. See, his foot landed first, and it's just like, ah, oh, why would you tell me that? <laughs> See, yeah. you know? My dad was the opposite. My dad was all fun. My dad was all rock and roll and wrestling and fishing and hunting and. 
You know, it was all the right. fun stuff. Well, excellent, excellent. And we we never told little Snowy. We let her figure it out for herself that wrestling was fake because when she was. I don't want to say fake, but predetermined a show. Because we used to take our daughter to the local indies here in Winnipeg and all that. And she got right into it. Mm. You know, and we just never told her. And it just, it just, it seemed so real to her. And I guess it just got to the point where she finally figured it out. So, like, the believability of the character is always, you know, that's one of the fundamentals. Your work rate. Your ability to construct a match with your quote-unquote opponent to make it look like a real competition, a real solid, a real solid match. Like you're doing your best to make it look like a real, a real competition. Like yeah. when when Rob Van Dam, okay, there's that name again, and Jerry Lynn, when they had those series of matches. Okay, in 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 ECW there, they went back and forth. Those matches were just amazing. And they had you hook, line and sinker. They had you thinking, you know, you suspended that disbelief because their work rate was absolutely amazing. That like the way they they work together, you know, it's they had you. They had you. And I'm sure if you I don't know. I know, Ducky, you watch ecw when we had it mm-hmm. you know like those those matches were amazing like even even like non-fans okay like my wife yeah she's she was a wrestling fan she watched as much as she could with me but she made damn sure that every time you know rob van dam and jerry lynn were on she was glued to the tv with me because it's just you knew you were going to get exactly that you know, that's a strong, hard-hitting match. That looked real. Now, if you take the a strong believability of character, you have an excellent work rate, and if you've got kick-ass mic skills, that's number three. The old concept back in the territory days, you have to talk them into the building. You have to be able to construct that that promo interview that gets everyone into the building that gets everyone excited like you have to whether it's it's good whether it's bad mic skills and now even more important with so much tv for god's sake this day and age like the first 15 minutes of raw a lot of times is just get that just 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 yapping back and forth and when it's done well, you get guys that are good on the mic. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I think so, uh, so anyone but Roman. Cool. The- <laughs> <laughs> well, if feels more better when he's being more himself, but when he's I, being Joe. Yeah, when he's being when he's just Joe. <laughs> but uh, no, when uh, I think the best modern day representation that checks off all three boxes is the feud between uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano in NXT. Yep. Because wow. those two were able yeah. to tell a very good long-term story. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if there's another story like that right now. No, I don't think there is. No, it's yeah. been going on for a while, has it not? And it's good old school there's, booking. There's this ongoing saga of Brock Lesnar, but I mean, it's 
done. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm over it. I don't give a shit. That story's over for me. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think, I think and, it's at the point there's. Sorry. Chandler Gargano to me, though, that story, I could, I could, I could watch that forever. Mm. It, it seems to have come to a head now. It's finally over. And, uh, yeah. Champ is entering his new, uh, Feud, I guess, with uh, Killer Cross or Carrion Cross, whatever you want to call him now. Is it Carrion? It's Carrion Cross now. <laughs> that, that's yeah. fucking brutal. That name. I like it. But you can't say Killer on a PG product. So no, man. I like yeah, Carrion. Yeah, but when you say Carrion, it's like he's carrying the cross. No, Carrion is in like as animal in the, as an animal carcass. But when you say it, Carrion Cross, when you say it fast, it's like. It's the crucifixion. He's carrying the cross. You know, he's carrying the cross. Which, remember uh, a couple, was it last episode or whatever, when we were talking about wrestling terminologies that would make good band names? Tell mm -hmm. me that carrying cross, carrying like the animal carcass and cross, put that together. That's just like Cannibal Corpse. Carrying yeah. cross. That is a wicked fucking band name. <laughs> you, Son of a bitch. Well, no, there's, there's a good. If you need to write a few more songs for volume two, then Carrion Cross can be a new song. There, there we go. go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I've already got a feature upon like Carry On. I can't do that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, those were that with, with the, um, with, like I said at the, the beginning of the show, I'm not, I wasn't too thrilled with the way. They presented Seth after, you know, Becky's warm, heartfelt baby face birth announcement. And with the way they just went on like that just made me think, OK, got we got to get back to the fundamentals here every once in a while, no matter what you do, no matter what it is you do every once in a while. You just got to take a step back, take to, to take a breath, see what <clears throat> got you to the dance and then go and then go from there and that was kind of the inspiration for turnbuckle talk i guess you're calling it <laughs> um i i got to say though i don't completely agree with you i think the uh they went on with kayfabe they didn't acknowledge it that's the dad well rated uh, right yeah right now yeah and that was one of the things that was one of the things that kind of made me go Okay, this this doesn't work because here's another father congratulating this new father, you know, and they just he uh, late later on he grinds his eye into the into it's the side of he's continuing his kayfabe. He's a heel. He has to keep a heel. If he came out and he's like, "I'm so happy, my my wife is pregnant," that would have broken a lot more. Of the storyline than Becky being like I'm right, pregnant, right? But, but they had, but because they chose to do the birth announcement the way they did, that that would you're absolutely right. That would alter the character, and it would be time to like if if they're going to go that route with Becky, then they got to go that route with Seth, and they're going to undo everything that they did. Well, and they, they don't want to do that. So they probably shouldn't have done the way what they did with Becky. That's, you know, my point. Well, I think uh, when it comes to Seth, I think he's probably going to, like, continue to play out the Monday Night Messiah character for, well, at least another nine months. 
whenever Becky gives <laughs> whenever get, Becky gives birth, or uh, Vince decides to try and fuck up their relationship. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> when is the okay? Right after the Monday Night Messiah thing is done, they're going to remind everyone. Yeah, Becky's at home with child and all that. Oh, I see. Seth, uh, you know they go, they're going to have back. Cameras back at the hotel, and you're gonna see Seth with, you know, why is Seth in the hotel with Dana Brooke? You know, I totally. I disagree, Snowy. I think that I think if this is years ago, oh yes, they would. No, it's is salivating at this idea. Oh, of course he is. Sit behind him, going, no, we can't do that. No, I think I think. Seth Seth Rollins is going to play out the Monday Night Messiah character until Becky gives birth, and then he's going to take some time off and be a dad for like a few months, and then he'll come back as a babyface and he'll bring back the burn it down music. (laughs) Yeah, that there'll be an open challenge or something for uh, something, and yeah, he'll come back out with burn it down. (laughs) The crowd's going to go ape shit. Assuming by that time, crowds will be allowed to attend. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree with, uh, with Matt. Completely. We're, we're doing year from now booking, which is cool because, you know, yeah, a, lot, a lot of good stories, you know, gestated over a year. This is recorded right now. So we are, <laughs> our predictions are set in in digital stone. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 2020 and we're yeah. 2.44 p.m. right now. <laughs> that said, I haven't had lunch yet, guys. Neither have I. I woke up we... to a conversation and I'm still here. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I think maybe it's um, time we uh, we brought this train into the station. Yeah, agreed. All right, guys. Thank you. I'm gonna sign off here for everybody. Oh, thank oh, you. Hold on, hold on. Before we get on out of here, um, you how can we have a Facebook page? We do. Okay. Now, yeah, Ducky, this is this is kind of your territory. All right. You, you uh, created you, a Facebook page for us. Yeah. If you want to find us on the social medias, as Snowy would say. Uh, we are on Facebook at Wrestling Night in Canada, and we are also on Instagram at Wrestling Night in Canada. Thank you very much. And of course, we are proud members of the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. You're probably, that's where you're listening to this, but, um... Check check us out there. Check us out the check out the Shining Wizards program itself. We owe so much to Tony. Hey brother, thank you so much for everything. And there's a lot of other cool wrestling, comedy, pop culture, politics. There's the Shining Wizards Network. It's basically your one-stop shop for all of your podcasting needs. You don't really need to go anywhere else because we rule. And of course, part of the Shining Wizards. Network is our sister program, or maybe our brother program, <laughs> Radioactive Metal, where if you don't have enough of your cool Uncle Snowy, you can check me out there, Radioactive Metal. Or, um, just It's what we do here. 
except it's all about the wonderful world of heavy metal, radioactive metal dot org. Um, and that's it. Mike, take us home. All righty. All right, guys. Thank you, everybody, for uh, tuning in. Uh, we appreciate every one of you uh, listening to this podcast. Um, this is Mike, Matt, Dustin, and Mr. Snowy White bidding you adieu. And we are from Winnipeg, you idiots. Wash your goddamn hands.